We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. El todo sea por un beso deal. Ya soñabas con llegar a McDonald's, ordenar tus McNuggets y tu Big Mac de siempre. Con extra pepinillos, extra salsa especial, extra cebolla, porque tú eres así, extra. Pero luego recuerdas que estás en una cuarta cita. Y quizá ordenar cebollas extra no sea la mejor movida. Hay un meal para cada cita en McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado por el app de McDonald's y llévate dos de tus favoritos, como McNuggets de 10 piezas y una Big Mac por solo 6 dólares. Precios y participación pueden variar. Producto individual a precio regular. The motto for 2022 is out with the old, in with the bold. And if you're ready to revamp your career, your relationships, or your money this year, check out Modern Life. It's a new podcast and newsletter from Fidelity Investments with fresh perspectives from people defining success on their own terms and tips to help you do the same. Search Modern Life wherever you find your podcast to follow and subscribe. Keep in mind that investing involves risk. The value of your investment will fluctuate over time and you may gain or lose money. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 62, and as usual, we've got an amazing special guest this week joining us on the Garage Beers Podcast. He's an NFL insider, and we're going to get ready for the draft. We're going to talk about the Browns as well as... Uh, other action around the NFL this offseason, we are really excited to have on Benjamin Albright. We got to talk some Tribe. Uh, we got to talk some Blue Jackets. We got all that, so much more. Garage Beers of the Week, three cheers of the week. So come on up the driveway, break out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to the Garage Beers Podcast, episode 62 of the Garage Beers Podcast. Go find us online at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, on Facebook. We are everywhere, uh, so go follow us, interact with us on our socials. We are brought to you, as always, right here on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go give them a follow as well, Belly Up Sports uh, and check out some of the other shows. Uh, we always like to give them a plug on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. They've got really good shows, and the, the network's growing all the time, so more good shows continue to get added. So check out the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. You can find me online at Garage Beers. Mike, joining me from the east side of Cleveland. I think he's back inside this week, which is a real bummer because it's freaking snowing outside. But Chad Meyer, Garage Beers Chad. What's up, Chad? 
Hi! Hi! Ah, Merry fucking Christmas, boys, in April. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I was all excited about uh, not coming down back down in the basement here for, well, oh, I don't know, five, six months, but uh, here we are. <laughs> Three inches of snow outside. Thanks for that, Mother Nature, you bitch. Now, did you have to lay down twice to get that measurement or? <laughs> Three times. Three times. <laughs> Three times. It's like Benjamin Button. It just ages in reverse. <laughs> it's crazy. I, here's the crazy thing, right? Because everybody's talking about the snow in Cleveland. Joey, I know you're in Nashville. It got chilly. It got chilly. Fine. Everybody's talking about the snow. Acting like this doesn't happen every year. Like, this happens. I remember a few years back, it, it like put three inches on us in May. Like, it is what it is. Like, this happens as we're trying to get out of winter and into warmer weather. The thing that was crazy about this one, I don't know how it was on the east side, Chad, mm-hmm. but like the number of down trees and yeah. tree branches and stuff was crazy over here. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. It was like when I went outside, it was this heavy stuff. Like we have a gigantic tree in our backyard and uh, it was a fell off the top of it lot i mean luckily it didn't hit the back porch my you know summer and spring studio uh luckily it didn't hit that and uh <laughs> you know but it, it it was it was it, it was substantial man it, it was it was crazy i look across the street my couple of my neighbor's streets were down if they weren't down they were being weighed down by all the snow and like ice that fell so it was it was nuts yeah I, that that was the crazy thing to me was like like what happens to the tree? Like we just threw went, went through a whole winter of a ton of snow, mm-hmm. and like these trees and their branches survived that. Did the trees like? Is do we need to have like an arborist on the show? Do the trees like <laughs> think that winter is over, and so they just get brittle and shit? Because there was only a couple. Of, I know it was the heavy kind of snow or whatever, but like it was only a couple three inches of snow. Like it was bringing trees down. Whoa, what? Please welcome on the show, Joe Petiti. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Petiti's cousins. Yeah, yeah. He didn't know about trees, but man, he can drink a beer. Yeah. Well, he's gonna pretend our, our pretend arborist, Steve. Yes, Petiti. I love it. Steve <laughs> Petiti. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Chad's back in the basement. Uh, you know, uh, as sad as that is, because he was so excited to be outside. But you'll get back out there next week. It's supposed to be like seventy in two days. So mm. whatever. Uh, joining us from down in Nashville, Tennessee. You've already heard him a little bit. You can find him online at Garage Beers Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? Oh, no. I want to take a shot. He's... <laughs> he just opened. Hold on. People can't see the shit. He just cracked open a little a little uh, fireball. No, good. Just a little fireball shot. Chugged it to start us off. <clears throat> um <laughs> So whoever chose the under on me moving definitely got it right. Yeah. <laughs> moving Friday. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I'm not, I mean, I, I don't want to complain too much about it because there's definitely way worse problems that we could have. Um, but a little unfortunate to just move after moving four months ago. But here we are. Uh, the fireball tastes fantastic. It definitely helps. Um, and we're ready to do a show. Let's, you know, let's just. Forget about the under. I don't know who placed their bets. Um, I would have lost for sure. I was not banking on moving. Um, but here we are. It was episode 62. Uh, and I think yeah. the line was episode 68. So blew that out of the water. 
You're an overachiever, dude. You are an overachiever. You know what? I just I like to blow past expectations. Just wherever you set that bar, let's just hop right over it. Uh, in this case, under it, I guess, um, and still surprise everybody. You're like the Kenneth Copeland of expectations. You yeah. blow. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who was who um, who that guy you sent us that one time, Mike, that, um, that it, the fireball reminded me of it, that drink review. He did a fireball. He's like, this smells like the dumpster of a Cinnabon, the rotten kind. He's called like the unemployed sommelier or something like that. I will yeah. say, though, fi- fireball is a weird one because I would never like buy a full bottle of it, but there's something about like the little shots that just like intrigues me like they're like the great like in a pinch just like shitty cinnamon whiskey (laughs) right just takes the edge off it's nice it's warm outside of chad outside of chad and his hatred for like certain types of beers yeah we don't we don't judge here if you like cheap booze drink your cheap booze if you like expensive booze drink if you like wine if you like seltzers it's shit. Drink a wine cooler. Who cares? Uh, we're here on the Garage Beers podcast to have a good time. Yeah. So we will include all of your drinks, and that means Fireball. Joey, it's a family trait. We've brought up your grandfather a couple times. Uh, that was one of his things. Yeah. I used to love that about him. He used to sit in my house and open a bottle of Fireball, put it over some ice, and just sit there and sip it. Yeah, it doesn't have like similar ingredients to antifreeze though. Like, yeah, you know, like I'm pretty sure it's got a lot of extra. Like, I don't think you can get it. Like, isn't like London or like the UK or something? Like, they don't even sell it because of the ingredients on it. I don't know. I, I'm pretty it sure it really gets you going though. Like, it's definitely yeah. banned in some European countries because there's just like, I don't know, it's just like cigarettes, just like rat poison. It's just antifreeze and cinnamon. Listen, Put it in the freezer, though, it'll be fantastic. Goes down Listen, smooth. Love it. Listen, Grandpa, I'm going to need you to lay under the hood for this drive to work, okay? Uh, I'm overheating. I'm having overheating <laughs> issues. You drank enough fireball to where I'm going to be good. Can you go spit on my engine? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, fireball is acceptable. Uh, and it's and the little one you had, you had just the little, you know, the little shot of fireball. Oh, uh, well, you know, yeah, we're mobile right now. So we just bought like a little 10 pack of the mini guys and we put them in like uh, we've been putting them in those little Dr. Pepper cans. Um, you reminded me of name. the drink cart. You reminded me of the drink cart girl from a golf course. <laughs> I, I that's am. where you get yes. those. That's where you, yes. well, that's you don't remind me of her. Oh, I hopefully. don't. Oh. Hopefully, but Maybe, that's where know. you get the little the little mini shots of fireball. I'm always bringing like the wild around drinks here. Fireball. Listen, you have no idea how Joey looks in short shorts. He might look like her. Okay, yeah, he he doesn't. Oh, okay. Doesn't. All right. <laughs> All right. I know we don't, I know older, we don't judge. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I know we don't judge, but seriously, if anyone out there listening, you need to go check out that unemployed sommelier guy or whatever oh, because yeah. that was oh, hilarious. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'll just say that. He's great. The other one, before we get to our garage beers of the, uh, of the week, which is just a nice transition from Fireball, the other one that has uh, it exploded on Twitter recently, but there's a guy on TikTok that is so funny, and his whole shtick is he's like a retail employee, and he like he's like interacting with people when they say the stupid shit that people say in retail, like he works at IKEA, and he's like, he's like, oh, you found better prices at another store. Well, why don't you go there then? You need directions? I'll map quest it for you. I'm a seasonal employee, Susan. I don't make the prices at IKEA. <laughs> or, or he's like, oh, I just lost your business. 
I, I'm a part-time employee here, Karen. You think I own Ikea? Oh, oh God. I care about your business. He goes, he's like, I'm a part-time employee halfway through a two-week notice. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. It's so good. I don't know what the guy's name is, but look, look uh, I don't know. Look up the Ikea guy on TikTok, and I'm sure it's the first thing that will come up. Anyways, he took my idea. He took my idea because I've always said, and whenever I worked in retail, I always said there needs to be one day, just one day out of the year, like called like retail retaliation, where you just get to talk back to anybody who's a prick to you. And <laughs> you just get to be as mean as you can. And then, and you know, and then after that, you go back to, you know, you know what? Maybe we should like start a store. Yeah. Maybe we should start a store. Maybe we open up a store. Maybe that's our, you know, it was a big hit in the restaurant industry for a long time. It was called Dick's Last Resort. I think there's still oh, a couple yeah. of them out there uh-huh. where they just treat you like trash. There was one in Nashville, but it, it kind of blew up. It exploded? Excuse me? Yeah. Remember the Christmas Day bomb? Oh. 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 Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. It hit yeah, Dick's. Well, Dick's is gone. I mean, it's, you know. The building's condemned. I know a little bit about condemned buildings now, but the building's <laughs> condemned because it's uninhabitable because it's structurally messed up. I think it might return there, but um, it's not there right now, but it was there. I say we just make a like a retail store. We just sell T-shirts or something. Yeah, you know, what? what's another T-shirt store, right? We just sell T-shirts sure. or something, except for we're just dicks to the customers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The customer's always right. What are you, infallible? Who do you think you are? (laughs) Right, right. Except, except it's not. The customer is not always right. That's right. All right. So let's get into our uh, our next segment: uh, Garage Beers of the Week. I'm excited for this one. Uh, So uh, I will. I'll save mine, and we'll start it off. You know, Joe, you've already got us going on the drinks. You've already got the fireball flowing down there. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what you sound like by the end of this. Uh, So let's kick it down to you in Nashville. What's your garage beer of the week this week? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're really dipping into the, uh, the beer reserves. I was able to stop by the house back to my beer fridge, which I miss so dearly. There's just having one fridge in a place of residence is really quite a shame. There, there needs to be a beer (laughs) fridge. Even if you're not a beer drinker, like, I don't know. Anyways, we're going back to Mill Creek. Out of Nolensville, Tennessee. Uh, I think two weeks ago I had Easy Days IPA. Um, that proved to be incorrect. Easy Days were not uh, to follow the drinking of that beer. So we're just going to the next one. It's called Neon Days. It's called uh, Son Neon, of a Bitch. And then, <laughs> Son of a Bitch. It pretty much is. Anyways, Neon Days is really good. It's a West Coast IPA, 7.2% ABV. Um, nice and light. It's got really good flavor to it. Um, really good body to it. I'm really digging it. Um, so definitely one of my favorites out of the the Mill Creek Brewery in Nolensville, Tennessee. All right, Mill Creek making another appearance. Hopefully, hopefully the omen is better uh, on this one than it was on your last one. Uh, Chad over there on the east side, what's your garage beer of the week this week? Oh, hi, I'm here. Uh, so I went down to Amish Country, okay, and I stopped at the Millersburg Brewing Company. Oh yeah. That's pretty cool, huh? Who knew the Amish could make such uh, such delicious beer? And this well, is I, the I, I I I don't I don't know that it's the Amish oh, actually making the I mean, beer. Okay, Mennonite, Mennonite. Mennonite. They're allowed to they're allowed to use this stuff. Uh, and I got the Tangelicious Tangerine Ale. It is a delicious beverage. Uh, it is a groovy brew. It is a 5.7% alcohol, very smooth. And uh, I told you, man, 
the warmer it gets, like it's it's getting into spring and summer, I'm getting into more lighter beers. Like I don't want to, I don't want a dark beer in, in, in warm weather. All right. It's just just weird. It just sits different. It's as the kids say, as the kids say these days, a darker beer in warm weather just slaps. It just oh no, wait, no, it hits wow, you. <laughs> it, hit, it hits Nailed differently. It. it hits differently. <laughs> it Hello, hits fellow differently. kids. <laughs> Hello, young'uns. Youths. Hi. Youths. Hey, fellow kids. Oh <laughs> hell, Chad, you, a, you just you just you just aged your own self. Yeah, damn it. Damn it anyway, but uh, I had an interesting experience. Uh, I felt like I was gonna die in Amish country. Uh, okay. Not really okay. die. I mean, not really die, but it was just kind of creepy. Let's, I mean, let's be honest, okay? So uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I am a, uh, for my day job, I, uh, I'm an operations manager for a moving and storage company. So I deliver containers all over the place. And this particular one was on an Amish farm because a customer was getting custom kitchen cabinets made. So I had to leave the container there over the weekend and, you know, no one was there. I was, I was cool with it. That's cool. I mean, and this is out in the middle of nowhere. I go to pick it up, and the the entire family is just standing there, staring at me blankly. I just nothing. Just I mean, I wish I wish this was a live stream because you can see like they were just staring at me like this. And I go, "Hi, what's up? What's up, everyone?" And they just and they just went, just continued to stare at me like a hole right through me. And I just so I just tried to make small talk. I'm like, "How's it going today? How how are chores going?" And then like, oh, but, but, the, but like, no one says a word to me, the one, but, but all of a sudden the dad or, or the son, they just come like marching very fast toward me. They just go, eh, 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 eh. and I go, Oh my God. I, I, I said, Oh my God. This is how it ends. I said, this is how it ends. This is going to, this is how it ends for me. I'm going to die. But luckily he just closed my trailer doors and kind of like did one of those. Like, you know how, like you, you hit the back of an ambulance. Yeah. He's like, yep, good to go. I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess I'm out of here then. And I, I luckily I made it out safe and sound. But uh, yeah, that was my Amish country experience. It's beautiful down there. We go down there. The wife and I like to go down there. I actually have done some a lot of work down there myself. Down in like Berlin, yeah, uh, Sugar Creek, Millersburg. Millersburg's nice though. That little downtown area. The, the Millersburg Brewery is great. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. I think since the last time it's been a bit since I've been there last, but I think they've added food now, which is nice. Yeah, uh-huh. and they make they make some decent beers. They're connected to another place. It's called Bags, and I used to tell people about this place all the time. It's my mm-hmm. favorite. It's a golf themed restaurant. Uh huh. It's like a sports bar. It's called Bags, but they call themselves an Irish Amish pub. <laughs> an oh. Irish Amish pub. Okay. All right. And what? How, how, what, huh? But you know what? It's a good time down there. We have gotten many of our home decorations from down there. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. It's a bit of a drive, but it's a good time. I've drank with the Amish before. There's an Amish bar out in like Hiram area that, uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't know if they're on the Rumspringer or not, but you, you walk in and you see all these young kids, young Amish people drinking their life away and they were dancing. Like I didn't even know dancing was allowed. In their creepy culture, let's be honest. Okay, all right. What? What? You well, never know. You t- see, take it easy. You see what? You see why they kind of break out and like you know when they come out of their shell, they just go nuts. Listen, like after man, you witness they're it, they're doing they're doing their own thing. No That's judgments okay. here. Hey, you yeah. do your thing, man. No, no judgments either. Okay, it's just it's just, it's just creepy. It's creepy. Hey, I like them. 
They make good cheese. You don't let you don't know anybody for um, you I, no, I know several, and they make fantastic food and cheese, oh, and oh. Uh, and great and oh, wood working. Oh, oh, who do you know? Who do you know? <laughs> who do you know that's on? You ever heard of Weird Al Yankovic? <laughs> <laughs> He only looks Amish. He only looks Amish. He sang a song about it. Uh, all right. So let's get off of that. Uh, and I will go to my garage beer of the week. So Joey's got one from Nashville. You've got one from Millersburg. And uh, I went to lunch today at this place and I picked up two beers. So I'm having a two for one on my garage beers of the week. Ooh. And by the end of it, I'm going to be feeling it because these are big boys. But I went over to the Avon Brewing Company, which is now just minutes from where I live. And once our house that we're building is done, it's going to still be just minutes from there. I went to the Avon Brewery for lunch, and I grabbed two beers to go because I was like, these have to be garage beers of the week. So the first one I grabbed, it is their uh, Christmas Miracle. And CLE and Miracle is is uh, capitalized. So it's their Christmas <clears throat> ale. However... Instead of just their normal Christmas miracle, which is a fantastic beer, this is the bourbon barrel-aged Christmas miracle, and it is like 13%. Oh, God. Uh, and, again, their normal, the Christmas miracle is a good beer. Throw in the barrel age, and it is just, it's spectacular. So, my first garage beer of the week is this Christmas miracle. I'm about halfway through it. And then when you hear me crack open another beer a little bit later in the podcast, uh, that will be the barrel aged King coconut, which is an Imperial coconut Porter bourbon barrel aged. So that one's also going to be, I don't know, 10 and a half percent. Wow. So it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun <laughs> night for me and these beers here in the basement. You uh, are going so, to be hammered. Why not? It yeah, is Wednesday, sure. sir. It's Wednesday. <laughs> so why why not? Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Those are our garage beers of the week. We've got, again, we've got uh, Mill Creek down in Nashville. We've got the Millersburg Brewery down in Millersburg, Ohio. And I have Avon Brewing Company here in Avon, Ohio. Tell us what you're drinking. Go on to our socials, again, at the Garage Beer. Uh, and let us know what's your garage beer this week. What did you try? If you tried something new that you're loving, uh, do you have any suggestions for us, things that we can go pick up and feature on the podcast? We'd love to do that. So go let us know what you're drinking. Uh, but to you guys here on the podcast, cheers to you, the listener cheers. And now it is time for us to get into a very exciting episode 62 of the garage beers podcast. And we're going to jump right in uh, to an incredible interview. We talked with Benjamin Albright. He is a, uh, he currently is working out in Denver reporting on the Broncos, but he is an NFL insider. If you follow him uh, on uh, on Twitter, you know that uh, he usually breaks some good info and he's usually pretty, uh, pretty well in tune with the happenings around the NFL. And uh, Benjamin gave us a lot of awesome information. We're going to share that with you now. So without any further ado, here's the interview with Benjamin Albright. All right, now we are really excited to be joined by yet another amazing special guest here. It's it's officially draft week. We are we are in it uh, for the NFL, and and we've got a real life NFL insider joining us here uh, on the Garage Beers podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Albright NFL. He's a host, reporter, analyst out there in Denver for KOA News Radio out in Colorado. He does all things with the Broncos, but he he uh, he covers the entire NFL as well. We're really excited to have on Benjamin Albright. Ben, welcome to the podcast. 
Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. It's can you believe it? I, I like. Is this that time for you where the phone just is blowing up constantly and and you can hardly sleep this next week? Yeah, I think I'm about six monsters deep, and it's only 11:40 right now here. So uh, I, think that, I think that about covers it. No, I, uh, yeah, the phone's blowing up, and you get the you know the, the messages, and you got to you got to like carve out time like to sleep and stuff like that at this point. Because we get to we get to this week, which I call you know draftsmas, and and you just got to carve out time. Because if you don't, like you'll allow everybody's trying to get some information, and you'll allow everybody to overrun your uh, your schedule. You know, you got guys on the East Coast calling early, and you get guys on the West Coast calling late, and you know, it just it ends up. Being uh, it ends up being kind of ridiculous this time of year. I, I kind of know for running myself a little ragged, so I'm trying to set some boundaries this year. So when you do carve out sleep, is it is the phone on silent, or in case anything breaks, it's still it's still up and running? Yeah, and it's it's still on vibrate. I've actually got a setup at my house where both my phones run through the uh, through the television. So oh, if okay. something happens, like if it's certain calls, like it'll redirect the television will kick on and they'll they'll come up over the TV um, so that I can yeah I can deal with stuff that way. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. You're, you're carving out time to sleep and you've carved out a little time to join us on the garage beers <laughs> podcast. We appreciate that very much here uh, this week. I want to start. I want to start light before we get into the NFL talk though. I think this was a great question that I saw uh, and we'll get into a question you asked on Twitter as well, but I saw this uh, from a, a Cleveland Twitter account. Her name's Molly Rose. And I it just saw it. And I think it's a great question. It says, who is your favorite player? from your most hated team ever? And I thought that's a phenomenal oh, question. So to, um, give you, to give you an example, while you think about that, I chose Steve Everett. Steve Everett, former offensive lineman for the Browns. If you don't know his story, when the Browns moved to Baltimore, he ran out of the tunnel in his Ravens jersey with a Browns bandana on. And it's one of the most iconic things. So he will always go down as my favorite player of my least favorite team. What about you guys? Well, that's a good question, man. Uh, I tell you, it's probably two players. And, and you, you got to get some context here. I actually grew up a Kansas City Chiefs fan. So sure. um, I used to I used to hate football teams. Now that I work in football, I don't really hate teams anymore. Like, I just don't have the, I don't have the energy for that. Uh, but, you know, because the, the next one might be an employer, too. You know, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't really hate teams anymore. But when I was growing up, I, I would have to say that Steve Atwater and, and John Elway were probably the two. Um, you know, when, when all said that John, just cause he, you know, he beat the Chiefs so much and, and Steve, because as Steve, I loved him because I love Steve growing up. Steve was a guy who grew up in Arkansas, which, you know, it was also, you know, he was born in St. Louis, which I was born, he grew up in Arkansas with Arkansas, I was in Arkansas and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of things about Steve Atwater that I just kind of envied. And then now, um, and I actually told him this, I think like a couple of weeks ago, uh, because I get to see him once a week. Like he comes on our show once a week as a benchmark guest. And so, um, he's the nicest guy in the world. And I'm like, dude, I used to hate you so much. <laughs> like I loved you, but I also hated you so much. And you're the nicest guy in the world. And I try to push his buttons. Like I try to push these buttons a little bit, you know, like I'll, uh, um, you know, I'm asking because he, he, he spent a bunch of money being a producer on a movie that went nowhere. It was like this horror movie called Dead Tone. So I'll mess with him a little bit on that. Or, um, you know, I, I, I deliberately left him off my Mount Rushmore of all time greatest Broncos players or whatever, you know, just just to see. And, uh, and and he was like, no, man, I'd probably leave me off, too. And I'm like, you're not supposed to say that, dude. You're supposed to call me an a-hole for doing this. You know, and like so he's just like the nicest guy ever. So Steve, Steve, long story story, Steve Atwater's my, my answer. Love it. Chad, what if I threw that man. to you? What would you say? <laughs> God, well, obviously being from Cleveland, I'm, I mean, I'm, I hate all things Pittsburgh. So I, but I couldn't help but love the way Heinz Ward played the game. I mean, I, I, I traditionally love the guys who just kind of grind it out. We'll do 
the guys, the guy you want on your team, but the guy you hate playing against. And I think that was Heinz Ward from a football standpoint. So that's, that's probably on the team. I hate the most Heinz Ward is probably my player. All right. There you go. All right. So like we said, we're officially here in draft week. Ben, are you, are you traveling for the draft? Are you coming to Cleveland? Uh, originally I had planned on it, but, uh, as of a week ago, I got a promotion and now I'm the official Broncos insider, you know, for the team and all that kind of stuff. So I actually had to be at team HQ for the draft now. So, uh, I got a plane ticket. If anybody lives in Denver and wants to go to uh, Cleveland, I got a non-refundable. I can transfer it to you. Oh my God. I might, I, I, I would tell you, I might actually know somebody that would use that, but I, I will, I'll talk to you about that later. Uh, so is that cool for you then? Or do you get some some different access now with the promotion? Uh, you know, where you have some different access inside inside the building on draft night. Um, I mean, I get officially, I guess I'll get a little more access. The main thing is like the perks. Like now, I get a seat on the plane uh, when the team travels. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, I already had you know connections to the building or whatever, but. Um, you know, now they're, you know, because it's the, because the radio station is the official partner of the, you know, the Broncos, there's kind of a priority kind of more, more so than normal. So uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's like a title bump and a status thing, but, you know, getting the seat on the plane, I think was the big thing for me. Love it. Well, yeah, we're very excited here in Cleveland draft here uh, the next, next weekend. Uh, it should be a fun time to showcase the city, uh, go down there. How do you like the draft moving from city to city? Love it. Um, hated the hated the New York thing. Hated it. Uh, hated doing that every year. I, I, I guess I kind of get used to it, and I knew where the nooks and crannies were, but I just kind of hated it. I love the fact that they're going around giving everybody a taste of this, get everybody an opportunity, rather than trying to bring them all to New York. Where uh, uh, I, I think it's a better experience. It kind of gives everybody, uh, um, you know, a chance to do stuff that they normally would get a chance to do. Yeah, it's awesome. So, so tell us, here's the question that I have. You've talked about it a little bit on your Twitter account. You, you kind of called the Browns, your like adopted second team. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? Until uh, right. coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I'm an emotional masochist, honestly. It's uh, <laughs> no, I, I, um, <laughs> I, I, a couple of years ago, uh, we, you know, the Browns were really struggling and I, I did, a, I wanted to do like a mental exercise of, you know, for myself, what it would take to turn a moribund franchise around. And I picked out three franchises and I kind of, kind of did some, some uh, deep dives on the roster and, and what they should do through the draft and all this other stuff. And um, the Browns were the team that kind of did what I suggested that they should do. And yeah. I was like, you know, if, 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 a team does this and it pays off, maybe there's something to it. And so, you know, as they continue to do the things that I was suggesting more or less, not, not every single thing, but more or less, you know, broad strokes. Um, and, and they continue to start building up. And so all of a sudden there was success and I'm like, well, you know what, Benjamin Albright, you genius. And so humble too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> it just, it just became a thing. I became emotionally invested in it. I became emotionally invested in this franchise succeeding because they were doing things that I had kind of suggested they do. So that's, that's really where it came from. It helped to have some friends that were up there for a little while coaching and in the front office and consulting and all that kind of stuff. And, and that helped, but I became emotionally invested in it. So now, and now you got Stefanski up there, by the way, I tried to tell everybody that dude's going to be a winner. Um, that that's to me, that's, you know, that's kind of got me plugged in. They're the one that I can, I, since I can't have fanship as I cover a team, right. they're the one I can root for. Cause there's no like conflict, conflict of interest, if that makes sense. So I can kind of root for them to win games, except when they're out here in Denver. And, and that's kind of a thing. All right. Yeah. So that's great. I mean, 
we'll definitely take all the fans we can get here. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's part of it, but um, you know, uh, so you said, I mean, they followed your plan for success. We always, we said on this podcast, it was going to be the off season of the defense. How do you feel? What are your thoughts on what the job Andrew Barry has done in this off season? I think it's been pretty good. Um, he's certainly scalped the Rams, hasn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think he's done a good job. I think he is, uh, and, and you'll have to pardon me here. I'm throwing my mask on as we walk inside the building here. Just no worries. Um, you know, I think he's done a great job. I think he's a guy that uh, you know that that is has got a good vision. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's smart. He's analytical. He understands what the team needs, and it's not about an ego kind of thing. It's, it's about going in there, getting the things done. That, um, you know, that they need to get on. And, and, and I think that's a credit to him, you know, setting ego aside in an industry full of egos, it can be tough. And, and so I think that anytime you can find a guy that'll do that, I think that that's the way to go. Yeah. So we're not really sure what we should be doing. You know, you as an adopted Browns fan, you, you gotta, you gotta know this now. I'm not really sure what we should be doing this week. Normally we're a week out. We're talking about who, which player we're going to take with our top 10 pick that we inevitably have that's going to fit one of 400 holes that we have on the team. And all of a sudden those holes aren't, you can't say there are no holes, but those holes aren't quite as glaring and you're picking 26. Is this how the other side lives, Ben? Like, is this, what do we do? It very much is. I was going to ask you guys, I was going to ask you guys how the culture shock was, you know, waiting for the draft (laughs) to come to you. So um, we have to take like a good player. And, uh, and and how that kind of stuff goes, but uh, no, it's it's different feeling, isn't it? Oh my god! Well, I, I don't even. I just like we we're gonna take a player, and I'm gonna be like, all right, cool. That's that's good, I guess. What? Yes. I don't even yeah, have yeah, to I'm analyze a, it. I, I, yeah, I'm, blowing, uh, I, I'm 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 blowing my own mind, Ben. Like, I, we can take the best player available. It's weird. It's 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 a different feeling, right? Like not knowing what's going to happen and then jumping in there and uh, and, and having to do all that. So I think that um, you know it, it, it's certainly fun. It can be fun. It creates an air of mystery because you know you're not going to go out there and, uh, and and blow it by drafting the Johnny Manziel's of the world because some homeless guy is telling you to take him there at uh, you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, wrecking this. Although league. maybe that would work this time around. Maybe not Johnny Manziel for sure, but maybe the homeless you know, guy. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, maybe we need to find that guy and do a retrospective. I think a thirty for thirty. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, so you said one of the reasons that you became a Browns fan is because when you were proposing how you would fix the team, that's kind of the way they started going about it. So let's use that expertise. If you're the Browns, you're on the clock at 26. You obviously don't know who entirely is going to be there uh, with the entire offense returning, which is the craziest. They didn't lose one offensive player. They have all returned. Uh, so you know it's probably going to be defensive. What what are you looking at? What do you think the Browns should do in the draft uh, this week to, uh, to to just keep their momentum moving forward? Well, well I don't know that it's going to be defensive. I, I wouldn't rule out offensive line for them either. Uh, keep keep an eye on that, uh, and also receiver. Um, so you know, I I think that, and I think those are two positions you need to look at. I, I think you can never have too much offensive line depth. Go look at Kansas City in the Super Bowl for an example of that. Um, defensively for stud players there. I mean, you got to take him, but you know, you need to look around and see what you got. You got a lot of money tied up in the receiver position, probably need to get younger, probably need to get cheaper and, and be able to balance that cap commitment going forward. And so, you know, for Rashad Bateman was there, I, you know, I would certainly consider that. Um, I would definitely consider offensive line depth if you got a player that you believe in. But I think the point is stack your board. You start off horizontally. You do it by position. You rank your positions. Then you turn around and stack it vertically, one through 150, 200, how many players you got. And then turn around and, and, and stick to it. Stick to that board, you know. And, and if you do that, a big-time player is going to fall right in your lap and you're going to be the better for it, even if it seems like you're drafting on strength. Yeah, love it. Uh there's also been some rumblings, uh, I, and I think part of it is Browns PTSD, Browns fans PTSD, 
we always think the Browns are going to trade down, trade down, trade down. Uh, and that that's, that's been the story. There've been some rumblings about the Browns maybe coming out of the 26th pick. Uh, but there's also been a little bit of rumblings about the Browns potentially looking up too, uh, because I don't know that they see an entire draft full of players necessary uh, at this point uh, for them. So I don't know. Do you, have you heard any of those rumblings? Any any thoughts on the Browns moving out of the 26th pick? I think they'll be flexible, but I, I have a feeling they're just going to let it come to them and make the pick there. I, I think that they've done enough to kind of stock a war chest so they've got kind of rolling number of picks, and that's kind of the ideal. When you first start out as a general manager, you want to stack that up so that you, you trade back initially so that you, you stack picks, you're able to roll into future years, and it gives you it gives you a draft flexibility going forward. Um, but, you know, I don't know that um, – I, I don't know what you want to keep doing that. I don't know what you want to keep multiplying picks like that because ultimately you wind up in a situation where, um, you know, you, you traded down a bunch, you passed on great talent. Yeah, you got a bunch of picks, but not all of them are going to make the roster you only got right. you know 53 spots so i think there comes a point where that becomes an exercise in futility now a non-browns related question so when it when it does come to trading up or trading down how how are those values measured like how do they know what the fair the fair return is for moving up or moving down uh, there's a combination of things. Uh, everybody's got the Jimmy Johnson chart, and that's kind of where it starts. Um, but there are different charts across the board. Everybody's got their own. Every team's got their own unique, you know, values that they assign on this kind of stuff. A lot of that's based on weighted data from, um, you know, how uh, um, how how each draft slot averages out to a career approximate value. And uh, the Harvard Sports Analysis Collective put out a chart a couple of years ago, and I, I think it dramatically undervalues um, some things. But usually they use some kind of triangulation of an internal chart, the Johnson chart, and the Harvard chart that, that's usually some kind of triangulation of the three yeah love it uh so listen this offseason for the browns you're going to add uh hopefully a couple decent players through the draft uh you've made a crazy splash with got players like john johnson troy hill you just brought in jadavion Clowney. uh you brought in anthony walker a, a good linebacker so uh, you know uh, from your perspective out there covering the league covering the nfl um what should the expectation be for this team? They made the playoffs last year. They beat the Steelers in the playoffs. They had a decent game with the Chiefs. They were There was plenty of room to improve. Did they do enough for them to be considered an actual Super Bowl contender? Um, you know, I think so. I think, I think the... the... I think the key is to be a playoff contender and then anything can happen from there. And if you've got the kind of team that can make the playoffs, then you've got a whole new season once that starts. And you don't have to be a team that, you know, you stack the roster so tight that everybody thinks you're a Super Bowl contender. You don't have to do that. You just basically got to be a good enough team to make the playoffs and then, you know, play the games against the teams that are put in front of you. And I, I think the Browns are certainly strong enough, capable enough of doing that. You got a running game that's uh, that, that is very strong and capable of chewing clock. You got a passer that can make passes when you need it. Uh, you got a defense that can make plays. I think defensively, had to stay healthier this year um, and certainly get better play out of the linebacking core and the safeties. But, uh, you know, outside of that, I think, um, you know, I, I think that uh, the Browns have a, a very, very good football team, and I would certainly consider them a, a playoff team and potential uh, potential division winner. Now, I want to talk about Clowney for a second. Now, obviously, you know, the injury concerns is there, but there, there's also seems to be this narrative out there that he's either overrated, washed, whatever. I feel like that's a misconception. Do you agree? Oh, uh, yeah. I also don't think he's the player everybody thinks he is. You know, everybody thinks he's like this dynamic pass rusher, and that's not really his game. He's actually better against a run than he is against a pass. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's a great player, and when he's motivated to play, he makes he makes good plays. He's, um, I, I think that uh, – I, I don't think he's washed at all. I think that's a, a, a bit of a misnomer. I just don't think that people think that uh, – I don't think people are um, properly or adequately um, – 
you know, assigning what it is that his game is. You know, he's, he's like I said, he's better set the edge against the run guy than he is pass rusher. He gets some pass rush productivity and he does pressure a little bit, but he's, he's a lot better at doing other things. And so perhaps that's why people say stuff like that. So what are we hearing out in Denver? Broncos picking ninth. Uh, so they've got the, they got a top 10 pick out there. Uh, what do you, what do you think the Broncos need to do? How are you feeling like the draft's going to go for them uh, at that point? Um, I think like in an ideal situation that they would like to trade back. Um, I, I think that would be their, their primary. I think if the right quarterback is there, they'd probably take him at nine, but I don't think they're going to trade up. Um, they may be, you may see like a Rashawn Slater type pick if he's there, if then they can't move back. But I, I think in an ideal world, they'd like to move back. Are we going to get that, this crazy run on quarterbacks at the top of the draft? I mean, you know, oh, you sit, yeah. you're sitting at nine, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you're sitting at nine for the Broncos and obviously quarterback is a, is a position of concern there. It's got to be a little bit disheartening knowing that there's, there's quite a few of those teams that look like they are poised. Like we could see a run on three or four quarterbacks in the top three or four picks. Uh, uh, and we don't usually see that. So it, do you think that's how this is going to go? I think so. And I think, uh, I think that people have overcompensated now with this whole rookies, uh, rookie quarterbacks on a rookie quarterback deal kind of thing, which if you go back and look historically, that certainly hasn't been the formula for winning a Super Bowl, um, actually. So, you know, I think that, um, I, I think that, uh, that that's what's happening. And quarterback thirst has driven those guys up even more. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a great quarterback class. You go back and look at the Cam Newton class. Cam Newton went number one overall. Four quarterbacks went in the top 12. Well, the other three were Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, and Christian Ponder. Uh, so just because, just because four quarterbacks, quarterbacks go early doesn't mean it's a great class it just means that you know four quarterbacks went early because four teams decided to pick quarterbacks early so i think that's important to remember statistically one to two of these guys is going to work out and the rest are going to be busts so who do you believe in you know are you just taking a guy just to take a guy or do you actually believe in his success and i think that's i think that's the thing you know it's stunning you just brought up that awful quarterback draft the browns didn't pick one of those guys it's stunning no, to me <laughs> it is stunning to me yeah, and we were not one of those teams that took one of those quarterbacks. That's that made my day right there. All right, give us one or two guys. Benjamin Albright is looking at. I guess sleepers. What what are one or two guys you're looking at later in the draft that could be that you think could just be studs? Uh, Andre Cisco, the safety out of Syracuse. The guy's a ball hawk. He's super raw, but uh, but man, he generates turnovers. Um, and he's he's a he's a phenomenal safety. So I think uh, somebody's got the time and the patience to sit him for a year, get him healthy, and and get him out there. He could be an absolute stud on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, excuse me, on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball. Um, Let's roll with Jalen Darden, the wide receiver out of North Texas and, and punt return return specialist. Uh, he's just got sick moves. He's not the fastest. He's not the burner, uh, but he's just he's got such great body control. He catches the ball well, and um, I, I think he's a guy that you, you just find a way to get the ball in his hands, you know, uh, five, six, seven times a game and see what happens, and um, I think he could be something in the league. So, uh, Last draft question before I ask the final question before we get out of here. Uh, usually there's always a team that makes a surprise pick. There's always a team that – takes a quarterback that you were not ready to take a quarterback or a team that has like a, a, a stud running back that drafts a running back. Do you, do you have an idea of a team that's going to surprise you this year and, and, and make a move like that? Um, I don't know. Like what kind of surprise exactly are you looking for? Like things that are surprising to me sometimes aren't surprising to other people and vice versa. Like what, what would be a surprise to surprise, you? Oh, I, I guess, like I said, it's for me, it's, it's, it's when a team that you think is a step up, for example, the green Bay Packers drafting a quarterback in the first round. Was, right. Okay. Was a bit surprising. <laughs> um, you know, New England maybe trading up for a quarterback is that a surprise to people? Chicago try to get up for a quarterback would that surprise people? Um, I don't think so. 
but I think most people recognize that they've got they've got issues there. Um, you know, the Steelers and Bills being on running backs that maybe that's a surprise. I don't know. They're they're both kind of wanting to take the hits off their quarterbacks, so um, I, I think that could be something. I, I don't know. I think a surprise is such a such a relative term because I never know. You know, I don't. I don't know what I know that would be surprising to somebody. I guess. Hey, anything you say, it. it we we we're gonna we're gonna let it all count, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll believe you, Ben. Whatever you say, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, gonna believe you. Say. It. Yeah. All right. Before we get you out of here, and again, you've got to get going because you're covering a press conference. Ben Ben Albright coming at us from Broncos headquarters. Uh, you just posted something on Twitter today, and I thought it was great. So I, I want to hear your your uh, perspective on it. You posted on Twitter that you had a debate uh, discussion. You said, what motivates you? Is it the lift that you get from winning or is it the fear mm-hmm. of losing? So what was your side on that? Well, um, for me, it's, I've, I've always hated losing. And I know that's, that probably speaks to a pathology, but um, I, I've always hated losing. Like, I don't get much out of victory. I expect victory. So, like, for me, like, when I get something or if I break a story or whatever else, and like, it, it's funny because some people are, like, super elated about that, you know, and I, I'm just not. Like, I'm, I'm one of those guys, like, I expect to do that. So, like, for me, it's like when I don't do that, there's, like, that fear of losing kind of thing. And so that probably does. It probably speaks to a pathology. Um, you know, on my part, but really I was relating that to money because people's answers tend to be different when they, when you ask that question in terms of competition, it tends to be one thing. And then you turn around and ask them about it from a monetary perspective, like on a bet and their answer tends to be the opposite. So for me, it was just a fascinating character study, uh, because, you know, I, you know, but I'm one of the rare people where the fear of loss is both like, I'm not afraid of losing money, but you always remember the losses more than the wins. At least I always do. Yeah. Screw you, Schefter. I was on that story before you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I think I'm a little different. I think I, I'm the, the lift of winning. I, I even it even, means you're probably healthy. <laughs> you're probably very, very mentally healthy, sir. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody I know that you just said that uh, because they may disagree with you. But uh, yeah, I don't know. CGI. I thought, it's CGI. It's all fake. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> right. I thought that was uh, I thought that was fascinating, too. And it, it'll be interesting to watch because you put a poll up. It'll be interesting to watch how people react. So, hey, listen, man, we're going to let you out of here. Uh, we really appreciate you taking a little time. I know you got to go cover a, a, a press conference out of, at Broncos headquarters. Again, go follow Benjamin Albright at Albright NFL on Twitter. Uh, do his case study. Uh, take part in this poll. Uh, fear of losing or, or lift of winning. Uh, but Ben, good luck this week. Try to get some sleep every once in a while and uh, and have a good time covering the draft and covering the Broncos out there. And and, and please tell Mr. Elway, I hate you, but darn it, I respect you. <laughs> Signed Cleveland. Signed Cleveland. Signed Cleveland. <laughs> We're not exactly going to Hooters to split a plate of wings, but if I see him, I'll remember the message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Ben. Good luck this week. Thank you so much for coming on. All right, guys. Take care. And once again, thank you to our special guest, Benjamin Albright. Go find him on Twitter at Albright with two L's, A-L-L-B-R-I-G-H-T, NFL on Twitter. Uh, And again, Ben always gives good uh, NFL insider information. And uh, I love what we talked about a little bit that he's He's kind of adopted the Browns as his uh, as his second team, even though he's out in Denver and, and does a lot of work with the Broncos. So, again, Big, big thank you to Benjamin Albright at Albright NFL on Twitter for joining us as we guys, as we prepare for the NFL draft here in Cleveland in just a couple of weeks. Uh, not even a couple. Well, a week, I guess. A, couple, a, a week, a week, from a week, a week from when Jesus. everybody's going to be listening to this. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, hard to believe. And, and like we've talked about on this show, it's kind of fun because it's like, hey, Browns. Like, just take somebody that's decent. Yeah, we're not we're not sitting here talking about like 
oh, they got to get an offensive lineman, or they, oh my God, they need a quarterback, or they need this. They don't need any of that stuff. Just like get a go get a decent player and let's do it's this. It's almost right? like it's almost like you know, like uh, when you're growing up and you did like kids' birthday parties and you're in those machines that like there's like air blown and there's a bunch of like tickets with prizes on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you couldn't be wrong, right? If you got a prize, it was a prize. You couldn't pick the right one. That's what the Browns draft now, is. Do it. You're just you're out there. There's a bunch that's, of draft picks. You're just grabbing for one. One that might help the defense. That's what they need to Hell, do. They might take a wide receiver. Who knows? Uh, they probably won't. But <laughs> they're just out there grabbing tickets, and they're just gonna. You know what? It's not gonna be detrimental to the year. It could probably only help the team with depth. Joey, I think you've come up with a wonderful idea. I think they need to put one of those cases in the in the war room for the Browns, in the draft room. They need to put one of those big plastic, it looks like a freaking shower, in there. Just stick Andrew yeah. Barry in there and write all the prospects' names on pieces of paper and whichever one he grabs. Yeah. I'll, That's I'll who they take. Right yeah, I like absolutely. it. I'm going to hit him up. Uh, him up. I'm going to direct message them on Twitter. So. Call, call uh, him up. Right. Hello, Browns. <laughs> I've got an idea. Hello, Browns. <laughs> <laughs> No, you may not. You're going to want to hear yet. this. <laughs> you may not have thought of this. I guarantee you, we haven't thought of it, sir. You may not know me, but <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah, Garage right. Beers Joe here. You're going to want to hear this. <laughs> You're going to want to hear this. I don't know. You ever heard of a little guy <laughs> named Brandon Dubinsky? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shit. Uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm excited to. I'm excited to go down and be a part of it. Uh, stick with us on all of our social media, uh, on our TikTok and Instagram and Twitter mostly, uh, because <laughs> uh, Chad. I think if he's if he's going to be able, I know Chad's going to be down there doing some stuff during the draft. If you're able to get some uh, some stuff that you can post online, but I'll be down there for the fan experience. Be posting some videos. If you're going, if you are going down to the fan experience, let me know. Maybe we can find you. Uh, I'll be I'll be kind of moseying around downtown Cleveland all weekend uh, as I'll be my vaccine will be fully kicked in at that point. Ooh, so I'll be all feeling, I'm feeling myself. I'm all feeling myself down there and I'll be uh, I'll be down there participating in the events. So uh, if you're going to be down there, let us know on the show and maybe we can meet up, have a garage beer or something like that. Uh, but yeah, super exciting. One week from right now. It's the NFL draft and the Browns have the 26 pick. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get off the NFL. Uh, I will say next week we will do our second annual garage beers, NFL mock draft. I'm very interested in that. I don't, I, I still haven't decided how we're going to do it. Cause I don't know that we can do 26 picks. No. However, I'm very excited to see Joe because Joe's got a lot to live up to from last year. Because we went through and did our like top ten because the Browns drafted tenth, we we did like our top ten, mm-hmm. and Joe just nailed his picks. Yeah, like, absolutely nailed them. Well, so yeah, you call of- me an expert analyst. Um, we haven't defined oh. who they are, but they call you what? An expert analyst. 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 I don't Wait. even know why we had Ben Albright on. We should just have, we should just ask the question <laughs> right. to Joe. Right. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so we'll have that on next week and we'll have a lot more uh, as far as getting prepared for the draft. So tune in there as well. So let's get off football for a little bit as we, uh, as we move along here on the garage beers podcast, episode 62. Uh, let's talk a little bit of baseball, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, they've started the season. Um, 
and guys, it 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 kind of has been what it is. I, I, Tom Hamilton said it best. Uh, again, we're recording Wednesday. They were supposed to play the White Sox tonight. We got three inches of snow. They postponed the game. Uh, so I was listening to the game last night where the White Sox put up like 127 runs again. And Tom Hamilton said it best. He said, welcome to kind of how the rest of the league has lived for the most part. When you don't get the starting pitching night in and night out, that's just absolutely dominant. I think we have to remember here in Cleveland that for the past nearly a decade, night in and night out, pretty much every pitcher that has taken the mound for the Cleveland Indians would at worst be like a number two pitcher for another franchise. Yeah. That is what has happened here. And that isn't the case anymore. These guys outside of Bieber, who is, by the way, Shane Bieber, real deal, Cy Young caliber. I mean, this is, this is, this is, it wasn't a fluke. It's not, it's never going to be a fluke. Shane Bieber is a perennial all-star, a perennial threat to win the Cy Young, one he, of the great he pitchers He is so in good. I'm just waiting for Paul Dolan to come out and say, enjoy him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he no, is, he is enjoy him good. Don't say it. You know what's so bad? You know what, you know what is, is the worst part about that, Joe? Is, they don't even have to say it. Indians fans should just know it. <laughs> we should know <laughs> you, it. You, you, they should just you should just know it. You just enjoy them while you can. Have you ever well, been part because, of a fan because base? Beaver, have you ever been a part of a, like a, a fan of a team and just been like, "Holy shit, that guy is so good!" Oh, he's not going to be on the team next year. Huh. Well, and Bieber <laughs> giving it the kiss of death. What's what's the kiss of death in Cleveland Cy with the Indians? No, 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 no. I'm the willing to talk. Is, I'm willing to talk extension. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, the kiss bad. of death is. Oh, I want to be an Indian long term. Yeah. Well, bye. Yeah. Have you met the Indians? We don't do that here. Oh, oh no. Uh, but listen, uh, and and I was having this conversation with Chad. Uh, I think I was just a year too early. Last year, we talked to Matt Lodi here on the podcast, and one of the things that I said as we were kind of prepping for that shortened season and all was. You know, now the Indians, at that point last year, the Indians don't have Clevenger anymore. The Indians don't have uh, Bauer anymore. Uh, the Indians don't have Kluber anymore. It, it's a dramatically changed pitching staff. And I think we we are so, uh, for good reason, we talk about the way they develop pitching like it's infallible, like it's, you know, whoever's the next one up is going to be great. And I said last year, are we sure? Like, are we sure Aaron Savali is going to be that? Are we sure Zach Plesak is going to be that? Are we sure these guys are going to do that? And it turns out that last year, well, they did pretty much. Like, every all the pitchers for the Indians last year were really good. It's this year. I feel like I was just a year early where Savali's looked pretty good. Plesak's been downright rough to watch. Uh, and then who knows what happens with the rest of this? You know, is Tristan McKenzie a thing that's going to – Logan Allen has not figured it out at all uh so it's uh the indians are eight and eight which actually surprised me because it feels like they've lost almost every game they've played uh and you obviously have a significantly worse offense than you've had in the past five seven years but now it's that pitching staff that it's not dominant anymore and well that's a scary thought I would disagree with that. I mean, obviously, to date, they haven't been dominant in the season. But, you know, I, I've 
condition myself to just not even, I don't even know where the panic button is in April. Like it's just, it's, I left it at home. I don't know. It's probably in the sinkhole, honestly, at this point, the panic button doesn't <laughs> show itself until probably this time in May. So probably four weeks from now, if we're having the same conversation, I think that's an issue. And, you know, obviously Here's my question. I'll post, I'll pose this question to both of you guys. So yeah. Joe, you can take it first. Cause this was your point, but I'll pose this question to you. We've done that every year because again, yeah, notoriously under Tito Francona, they've not been a fast starting team, but I think we can all agree that talent wise, this team, unless, unless some players play over their head, this is probably closer to the lower end of the talent pool that they've had since Francona has been here. That's, not it. So, not can they afford? Can they afford to do that? Can they afford? Hold on, wait. I told you I would crack my second beer. Oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, can they afford to do that? Can they afford to just say we're a slow starting team? We're going to be better. Are they? Uh, do they have the talent? Yeah. See, absolutely, they do. Um, here's the thing about the Indians, and you'd be hard pressed to find a season under the Tito Francona reign where they weren't 500 or close to 500 into June. They're a slow starting team, whether that's because of the pitching, whether that's because of the offense, they're a slow starting team. And most years we are out there winning the central pennant. We are out there competing for a playoff spot, even though we're a 500 team up until almost almost the all-star break. And that is almost every year that Tito has been at the helm. So I don't, press that panic button quite yet. Um, you still have some time where people like Jose are going to start heating up. People like Fran Miller are going to start heating up, hopefully in the late May, uh, especially when the weather gets warm and the ball has a little more pop off of it. You know, we've had maybe like, maybe like four games where the weather has been like really good, really like an electric atmosphere for the ball. Coming okay. I know, I know the other team hits home. The runs. White Sox were hitting the ball 500 sure, feet last that's good night. for the White Sox. I don't think that's going to be In sustainable the for degrees. the whole season though. And when, it, when did the Indians put up numbers like that in April or May? Never, never, never. If it is, Again, the point is it's a one-off. It's not, it's not what they play. It's not the type of ball they play. They will be a team that comes through June through September and they're going to be dominant pitching. They're going to be somewhat consistent on offense, but consistent when they need to be. And they're going to start stringing together some wins. This is not the time to panic. It's never been the time to panic. There's a very, very rare set of circumstances where we've been in control of the division coming out of May. Chad period. Oh, I, 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 Totally thought you were going to have a rebuttal out of that. I was still formulating my response. No, I, I have another question that I've got, but I'll let you respond before I get to that. Um, I have, I mean, I, I say this over and over again. It's it's my constant battle with this team is I don't want to hit the panic button, but at the same time, you know, with the perpetual year by year, you're going to have to, we're going to have to trade our top talent. We're going to have to trade our top talent. You knew that that it, eventually that well was going to run dry, and and so far here at the early going, I think it is biting the Indians in the ass a little bit. Um, it, it 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 hasn't been good. Yeah, I mean the pitching hasn't been good here in the first in, in the first here in the early going, and I don't know in years past. I again I 
like Joey's, I would have to go back and look. But if I had to guess, and I could be wrong, if I had to guess, even in the early going, even in those slow starts, that we still had somewhat dominant pitching. We still had somewhat good performances from the pitchers in the early going. And, you know, the, the, and they didn't score runs. You know, this is a team that, has, that consistently wastes good pitching. And if they're not getting good pitching, they're not going to win very many ball games. Um, so, but at the same time, again, like I said, it's a constant battle with myself. At the same time, this is game 16 of 500,000. You know, so I want to give them time to <laughs> develop. I, I do want to give them time to develop and, and get better throughout the year and see. But here in the early going, it's very hard for me to say that they're going to they're 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 going to be in the hunt for this division. Uh, you know, we could come June or May or whenever whenever uh, Joey said. And look, I'll, I'll give you and again, this is an arbitrary example, but. We're going to look at the Nationals when they won the title. Was that two years ago? I know. You don't have to shake your head. Look, it is a team that was nowhere to be found until September, right? It's not, it is not a nail in the coffin if you're not pitching in April. It's not a nail in the coffin if you're not hitting in April. The Indians have been doing this for almost 10 years, and yet – we have been the most dominant team in the central division for the past 10 years. So uh, until uh, yes, we have what the twins, uh, a couple years, maybe three years, the white Sox, maybe I mean, two the, years at the, the beginning. last three years. Yeah. The, la- that's the fine. last three years. I mean, I mean, as the, we've been unloading our talent. Sure, yes. Sure. But they're not, the twins are not the top to not, or sorry. The twins are not the dominant team in the central. This season It's definitely the white Sox, but you know, until we get right, until, right. It's the White Sox. Yeah, that, yeah. Until we get, look, you're not going to win. You be lucky if you go 500 against the White Sox over the season. You'd be lucky if you win 500. You have to win those series. You have to almost sweep the Tigers. You have to sweep the Royals. You have to go 500 right. against the Twins. That's something that this team can definitely do. Um, and it's, it's just way too early to hit that panic button. It's just, it's part of the tribe and their team figuring out what they are, what they have. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of new pieces this year. You have a lot of new bullpen pieces. We don't know the closer role. That's not defined. Um, a lot of starting pitching has a lot to figure out, but it's not, it's, it's stuff that you can build on. It's just not stuff that, you know, we're just going to panic on yet. No. Here's the thing. I, I, one thing I will say, I, I'll agree with you in a couple different places. You don't panic yet. Again, this team should be nine and seven uh, outside of a ground ball that got through Josh Naylor's legs. And again, I'm not killing Josh Naylor. He made an error. It is what it is. He just made it at the wrong time. They wind up losing a game they should have won. Uh, here's another area where things are going to get better. But this is an area where the Indians themselves as an organization just kill themselves. You are not playing your best players. You have your best players in other locations right now we are trotting out jake bowers is awful Yu chang i love Yu chang i love that he gets in the box all smiley and shit and he's real happy to be playing and all that and i think he's a good player and i think he has room to develop is he playing well no he's playing terribly you're you you've got and again i don't know that bobby bradley's going to come up and do anything but he's a threat in the lineup at least 
He's a threat. If you make a bad pitch to Bobby Bradley, he's going to hit it two miles. He is playing in the minors. Why? Because it's better for money, I guess. Because they don't, I guarantee you, May's going to roll around and Bobby Bradley is going to be on the Indians. But not it's for that better. reason. Not for the money reason. Absolutely not. Yes, a money it reason. is. No, it's not. No, it's not. You have, What's the reason? You have, What's the reason? One, you have Jake Bowers, who is out of options. He needs to perform well or he's gone. He's not performing well. Okay. He never okay, has. Well, it's April 21st, right? So we're almost in May. No. No, not last year or the year before that or the year before that. He has never you sound performed like somebody well. that's never watched a team under Tito Francona. No, what are you talking? You're, this has nothing to do with Tito Francona. This is, no, you this sound is, like a guy that didn't watch the Indians hold Francisco Lindor in the minors for a year and a half when he was ready to come up because of money. Look, right? Tito will bring Bobby Bradley up when it is appropriate. And no, he won't. Listen, Jake Bowers is not not costing us games. What? You guys remember when we traded Andy Diaz for Jake Bowers? Oh, God. What are you talking about? Joe, if you don't think Joe, if you don't think Bobby Bradley is in the minors right now because of money, I don't know what to tell you. You you think they're banking on Jake Bowers? Jake Bowers would have trouble hitting a ball off a tee. Yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah, I, I guess if you're being like, it's literally because of money. Yes, it's literally because if they're out of options, yes. they have to release Jake Bowers, but that's still the point you I was trying to make. You started the year with, who gives a shit if you have to release? Jake Bowers. Release him. Yeah. But what are we you're talking about? The only reason he's listen, on the team is for money. Listen, they're going to, Bobby Bradley is not seeing the major leagues before the last week of May. No way. No way. Right. Right, because that is right around that date where they don't lose a year of control with Bobby Bradley when they bring him up. Right, but it's it's not it's not detrimental to the season. And again, I I think we can all agree how you know just not trash, uh, divisive, or maybe divisive or is the best word divisive or I don't know. There's no other second word. Divisive is probably the best way to describe the Indians front office. Obviously, there's some money like uh reasoning behind why Bobby Bradley's not up. But also he's gonna come up at a time where it's gonna be uh partway into the season. He's gonna have two months of work under him in triple A. You look like you're about to rip me apart and you know what? I'm gonna Let's kill you. It. I don't know Let's what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. You got you got nobody playing at first base and you have he's your best first base prospect. He is of all the people that could play first base your best chance of getting good production is from Bobby Bradley. That's, that's your best chance of production. You've got, <laughs> they started the year with Ben Gamble leading off. Well, that, I mean, we leading all know that's a mistake in the lineup, in the major league baseball lineup for the Cleveland Indians. Ben Gamble was leading off. What, what are we doing? Your best center fielders aren't up here. Your best outfielders aren't playing for the team. Your best first baseman doesn't play for the. It's just, again, and 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 the, I won't be too stupid. The reason I was saying this was I was agreeing with you. I think they're going to get to a point where they're going to go. Okay, we'll bring Bobby Bradley up. And do I think he's going to help the team more than uh, Jake Bowers? Yep. Uh, and I think they'll get to a point where they're going to feel forced to bring up either Bradley Zimmer or who I don't have any faith in or 
Oscar Mercado, who I do have a little bit of faith in, or Daniel Johnson, who, Jesus Christ, can we get a look at this guy? Uh, they're going to bring up some of these other guys. So I do think, are they going to produce more? Sure. No matter what they do, though, if it's Bobby Bradley or Jake Bowers or Daniel Johnson or whatever, you still don't have the level of talent on this team that you had in years past. Now, here's the other question I have for you, though, and, and you guys can both talk about this. Joe, you brought up specifically the style of play for the Indians. Correct. What is the style of play? What's the style of play for the Indians? Because here's my thing. We talk a lot about, remember the only team, the only time the Indians have gotten out of the, we, uh, for all this, oh, they've dominated the Central. They've been the best yeah. team in the Central. Blah, 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 blah. The only time they have gotten out of the divisional round of the playoffs was 2016. I didn't say playoffs. I said Central. No, 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 no. I'm not, this is, don't argue. I'm just I'm saying, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just making yeah. a point. The only time they have gotten out of the divisional round of the playoffs was 2016. That was yeah. it. Yeah. That was it. Again, this is this is that run. This is this is where people Oh, the Indians have been so good for the last decade. No they haven't. They they've they've made the playoffs and that's it. <laughs> Congrats. Uh the only time they've gotten out the divisional round was 2016 and and I will contend to you, Joe, that that's the only time they had an identity. That's the mm. only time they had a style of play, Joe and Chad, because if you'll remember 2016, they had a very clear identity. They had a couple big boppers in the lineup, right? You got Mike Napoli, who was strikeout or hit a home run type of guy. You had Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez both hitting for some power, but also hitting for great average. Uh, and then you had other guys that were just good contributing ball players. And you had dominant pitching and a dominant bullpen. So the style of play was manufacturing runs with that 2016 Indian. You all remember. Everybody on Twitter and shit makes fun of like bunting and shit now. But if you'll remember the 2016 Indians, they were the kings of bunts, the kings of producing runs because they knew they could score three runs, four runs. Their starting pitchers would get them six innings and then it would be Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. And, you know, like it'd be that dominant bullpen. Brian Shaw, baby. He'll be yeah. Brian Shaw. Yeah. Who is actually Brian Shaw's looked really good so far this year. Uh, uh, and, and, and they had an identity. After 2016, it was like home run or nothing. And that's what it's been ever since. What's the identity of this team? How do they get back? How do they get back to like Joe yeah. and Chad, both of you look at the roster right now. How should this team play? And how do they get to, because I don't know how they're going to get to a, 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 a consistent offense. Well, it's, uh, I, I get that. Um, you can't identify the identity of this team this early into the season. That's something that is grown throughout the season okay listen Joe, listen but this a, what this, they need Joe, this is a podcast i, just, I need an I'm opinion going, i'm getting my opinion <laughs> the identity this team needs to be successful is a team that can manufacture on the small ball which i feel like look every team in baseball needs to hear that because not every team, unless you're the Yankees, who that's going very well for them this year, but uh, unless you're the Yankees, who has the potential to hit an insane amount of home runs, unless you're honestly the Angels, who hit an insane amount of home runs, like teams like that, unless you're like that and built like that, you need to play small ball. You need to get base hits. You need to stop swinging for the goddamn fence. You need to get people over and you need to score one run instead of three like you need to get the guy from second home 
and not worry about getting the ball over the fence and getting three runs home like this. It's just, it, it seems like such a fundamental thing. And, but there's, there's so much more that goes into it, whether it's, uh, you know, people playing for stats and contracts, uh, people playing for that's actually pretty much it. All I can think of is people playing for those statistics and playing for it. Maybe, you know, maybe home run numbers equate to, uh, uh, you know, better favor within the team or better favor. in when it comes to contract talks, that's the only thing I can think of why there's so much swing and missing going on because it's not look, baseball is very hard. I'm not going to sit here and say baseball is easy. If it was easy, everybody would be playing it. It's an incredibly hard sport. It might be one of the hardest sports hitting at baseball. Oh. might be one of the hardest things to do. I think it's the hardest thing to do in but sports. It could be the hardest thing to do in sports. Ooh. Yeah. I think, but it is ball. not as hard as these professional players are making it seem to be. These professional players can hit singles, can hit doubles, but they are not because they're trying to hit the ball over the fence. And it's just not the right style of play for, I, I don't, I don't know why this home run craze is going on, but the Indians trying to do that, which are resulting in them just popping the ball up, just shooting the ball on the ground, uh, pulling the ball on the ground and getting out. Like it's just, it's not equating to runs for our team and they need to take a step back and reassess how to score runs in baseball. As simple as that sounds, they are not doing it correctly. They can't, you can't be a team. And we've said this for years and you said it earlier. You can't be a team that relies on pitching all year. We have the talent in pitching to rely on that all year, but that what what does that have to do with the offense? Nothing. That has nothing to do with your offense. Well, if your pitching is great, that's a benefit to you as a team. Chad, I will let you jump in, but the reason the Indians were successful in 2016, the reason they win as far as they did is, is because of this. When you can produce runs, especially earlier on in the game, it puts pressure on the other team to produce runs. And that's when you see the other team, their swings start to get longer. They start trying to do too much. That's what the Indians were so good at in 2016 was they would get on the board and they would just pop open like a 2 nothing lead. And you got to a point where that felt insurmountable because, A, uh, yeah, the pitching was spectacular, but, B, the other team just – they pressed to to do as much as they could do. You had everybody trying to tie games up against the Indians, and that that's where you want to be. This Indians team are trying to be those guys hitting a million home runs, and they're not getting a lead, and they're not scoring any runs. It's crazy. Chad. I don't have anything to add. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it the the style you guys want the Indians to play is the style that they should play. The problem is that they're just they're not doing it. Uh, okay, I mean they're not doing it. They, they haven't done it since 2016. You know, I think I don't know if it's a psychological thing, but it's since since 2016 they seem to have been pressing since 2017. You know, they seem to be that team that. Wants to wants to be the sexy, hit hit it out of the ballpark every swing, at, at, every at bat, uh, type of offense, and, and and that's just that's just not them. It, it it isn't. It isn't. Yes, they have guys that have power. Fran Mill Reyes, Jose uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, oh God, who is it? You know, even Eddie Rosario this year. They have guys that have power. Yeah, but sure. it, but it's not. They, they they can't do it. You know, on a consistent basis. I mean, yeah yeah, Fran Mill is. Fran Mill is the type of guy he can be a typical power hitter in today's game. You know, 
230, 240, you know, is is good enough for him. Give you 40 bombs and, yeah, you know, a, a, 85 RBIs. He's he's that type of guy. But you have a, a guy who's an actual good hitter, like in Jose Ramirez, with power. Yeah, he's probably going to come around and have a pretty good year. But he's sure. a guy. He's a he's a guy that you know before it was this home run craze. Before this MVP, he was a guy that hit great for contact. And that's exactly, and that's exactly what this type of team is around those couple of guys with power. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's it's like 2016 happened, and and listen, this hurts me a little bit to say because I loved it and I love the player, and I think he was more productive than people will remember him in Cleveland. But it's like that Edwin Encarnacion signing yeah. changed the whole dynamic yeah. of how the Indians were going to play baseball. Uh-huh. It's like 2016 happened. Napoli left, Encarnacion come in, same kind of player, same yeah. kind of hitter. Uh-huh. Uh, Encarnacion is a little bit of a better hitter than Napoli was. But then the whole team took on the Encarnacion vibe. Right. Like, let's just go out and hit bombs. And, like, it, it, it changed the whole dynamic. What I think ultimately with the Indians, what I think has to happen is it's like a level of honesty, Right. It's like it's like when you almost have to look yourself in the mirror when something's not going right in your life and you have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, what do I have to be better at? I, I do that fucking all the time because I'm so not good at so many things that I've got to like step back and look at me like, what do I need? What where are my strengths and why? How can I get better at those? Right. And like the Indians are just like they're so all over the place. They, there needs to be some level of, of identity. And if that means they got to be different than what's popular in baseball now, then go be different. I you know mean, what it, I think is, I mean, I, Oh, go ahead, Joe, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, look, it's, it's really big picture. It's a baseball problem, which is sure. This, it's, it is, a, but the Indians are a prime case of why this is a baseball problem. This sure. is happening on other teams. It's not just the Indians. It's happening on other teams, but it's it's costing, and it can cost the Indians later down the road this season and future seasons if they keep playing in a in a way that they're just trying to hit the ball over the fence. Like it's just it's not sustainable, and it's not going to create a good ball club. Like there's other things that we can do. We be in the front office, not us, to make this team the best team it can be. Those things obviously need to be done. We need to call up the right people at the right time. We need to call up uh, the right pitching at the right time. Uh, but when it comes down to day-to-day playing on the field, like these players need to adjust their philosophy. And that I'm, that either starts at coaching, which is something that could be a conversation if the season continues and we end up 500 at the end of it, which I, I, don't, I don't see us doing. I guess it's possible, but there's a, there's a lot to talk about as the season goes on for sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, Chad, did you have something before, before we jump off the tribe? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I was going to say as far as the Encarnacion thing is, is, you know, the reason why they signed him is I, you know, I I think a lot of these hitters, a lot of those Indians hitters heard a lot of the same thing, you know, where's the power on this team when they, when they were signing him, where's the power on this team. And, you know, with, with that Encarnacion signing, you know, I think that that was right. You're you're right in that, Mike. Where they kind of took on his identity as a hitter, and that's just that just wasn't his team. They kind of lost their way after that 2016 uh, season, and it's just it's never been the same. Well, listen, guys, uh, as and Joe, I'm going to give you the last word on the Indians because 
you are by far of the three of us the most optimistic of the Indians. And again, I'm not I'm not crazy. I, I, I understand. It's a long, it is 162 games, which is entirely too long for a sports season. It is the most absurdly long sports season there is. Uh, anything can happen. And can things come around for the Indians? Yes, because they do have a good front office and they have a good coach and things can come around. Uh, however, I'm a little nervous about the pitching, specifically the starters, because I think the bullpen is the shit. I think our bullpen is great. But I'm a little nervous about the starters, and obviously I'm nervous about the offense. But, Joe, I think you're 100% right. Is it is it a long season? Of course it is. But I'm going to give Joe the last word on the Indians uh, as far as just uh, it's an 8-8 eight and eight start. And again, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I've actually, I, I feel like I feel like they're they played 16 games. I feel like they're five and 11. Chad, you got what you got one more thing before I send it to you. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say one more thing. I, I, I was actually going to pose a question, too. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, a traditional slow start under Francona with this supposed with this well possibly running dry as far as as far as the pitching and hitting goes. How does it, you know, say they have a losing season? How like how much longer is that? slow starting excuse, uh, uh, slow starting excuse, uh, relevant. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. God, I think I had a stroke. I had a stroke thinking like, I think I hurt myself there. Relevant. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. How, how much more is, how much longer is that excuse relevant to it? You know, if he has losing season to this year, is it, is it allowed anymore? Like, what is it? I mean, Listen, I think, yeah, I, I, I think, and Joe, you can you can wrap us up with the Indians. I, it's a hard problem. It's a hard problem because I love Terry Francona. I, like again, all the faults I see with the Indians, I I don't put a lot of that on Francona. I, I'm okay if Francona's the coach of the Indians until he retires. Like mm-hmm. really, because because we've seen in Cleveland, right? We've seen, and I don't hate, I don't hate these guys. I don't hate Manny Acta. I don't hate Eric Wedge. I don't hate these guys, but we've seen like the, the gamut of who gives a shit managers, these guys that are just guys that are managing the team. So if Frank Kona wants to manage the Indians until he retires, I'm more than happy about that. I love Terry Francona. I just, I don't think the faults lie with Frank Kona. I think we could talk about Van Berkeley a little bit, but I don't think the faults lie with Francona and his staff so much. Obviously, I don't think the faults lie with the, you know, the front office and Chernoff and Antonetti and all that. Obviously, you guys know where I think the faults lie in that they're just handcuffed at all times. The fact of the matter, though, is what I would like to see out of Terry Francona, who is very much an old school baseball guy. And I, and I love him, but he's an old school baseball guy. Maybe a little outside the box thinking. I don't know what that means on the field at all times, but maybe a little outside the box thinking, because again, you can preach to me that you've been the best team in the AL central for a decade. You can preach to me that you've been one of the best teams in the American league for a decade. You can preach to me how you have won more games than any team in the AL for a decade. The fact of the matter is though, you haven't won shit. You haven't won anything. You've won nothing. There are no banners. There are Nashville Predator banners hanging in Cleveland. <laughs> That's what we've got. We got Predator banners. Hey, we made the playoffs. Congrats. You didn't win anything. So I'd like the only thing that I'd like to see is just some outside the box. How are we going to take this group and make them different? 
and 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 how do we how do we influence that on the field? Does that mean more small ball? Does that mean more shit that the fans on Twitter complain about? But it means we win more games. I don't know that that for me is is what I, I'd like to see a different style of play because this hang them and bang them, let's hit a bunch of home runs thing. We are not. It is going to be at, to Chad to use your analogy it is going to be Eli Manning all season yeah we're going to put nine runs up against the Tigers and then we're going to score two runs for the next four games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you bring up Joe you Joe, bring up bring such us, an interesting bring point. us up Joe bring us up Joe yeah, and I, I I can wrap it up here bring you bring up such an interesting point though because you know we, we talk about how great Tito is we talk about how great the front office is but yet we trash the style of play. We trash how they are on the field. We trash how they score runs. Yeah. And this is just an arbitrary question, but like, you know, does that always fall on the players or is that maybe something that could be coming from the coaching staff? Look, if you want a team that comes out on a hot start, you don't want a Tito team. If you want a team that's going to come out of May and April and you want them to be 30 and 15. That's not going to be a Tito team, except for maybe like that one season. I don't even know if that was Tito when we had that, the hottest start of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. History. <laughs> but I mean, that obviously was a fluke. Uh, Cause that team sucked. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I, don't, if, I think if, that was many acta. I think it was as well. It, look, if you, if you want these hot starting teams, you're not going to find that with Tito. You're going to find teams that are going to get really hot. July through September. And as a fan, that's something that it should be intriguing. And maybe that's why Tito is as good of a coach as we think he is, is because he gets the teams hot the right time of year. When you go into playoffs, any sport, doesn't matter, basketball, football, baseball, the team you're most afraid of is a team that is the hottest going into playoffs doesn't matter the record if the teams if the team like let's say football teams 12 and, four, baseball. and they lost their last four definitely games. baseball if the team's 12 and four in football and they lost their last four games are you really like really that scared of them in the playoffs you'd be questioning are you them. talking about the Steelers because they, they sucked so, in the playoffs yeah, you're, I mean obviously exactly you're <laughs> questioning them you're like well they you know they've lost four games like they can't possibly win in the playoffs and I, I think Tita does a really good job about bringing the team into the playoffs in the best spot they can be. Now, that's it. So, Joe. Yeah. Joe, here's my, here's my last yes. question for you. Look at the team right now. Yes. As it's constructed. Yes. And, again, I think you're the most positive out of all Thanks. of us. So, let's let's end with this. Great. Can, can this team win the World Series and how do oh, they do it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Have you seen those guys? No, they're going to have to call up some people. They're going to have to make some moves on the trade deadline. This is going to be a team that is going to be really good in June. They're going to be really good July through September. But with the current one through nine uh, lineup, that's not going to happen. They're going to have to release some guys. They're going to have to bring some guys up and they're going to have to maybe trade away some people to bring in somebody that's going to make an impact. This current team will not win the world series. They will make the playoffs. I think as a wild card, uh, but they will not win the world series. There's going to be moves that need to be made. And honestly, that makes the season season more exciting because the more we get those wins, the more we're just a little above 500, which will be above 500. I think going into the trade deadline, 
that's going to make that time really exciting for fans because hopefully we can get some, we'll know at that point exactly what impact we need and hopefully we can bring that in. So they're going to peak too early. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so, right, okay. Boys. Um, uh, oh God, I had a real, I had something really awesome there. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, you're killing it. Oh, well, listen, this. save it, write oh, it down. Oh, oh, you know what? I just, I just remembered it. I just remembered it. Uh, they better win the world series this, this year, boys. Do you know why? Oh no. Do you know why? Go on. Because after this year, you're not going to be able to say the Cleveland Indians have won the world series. Oh, well, that's fine. You're not going to be able to say the words, the Cleveland Indians won the World Series. The Cleveland Guardians. The Nashville Stars. (laughs) Oh, no. You suck a dick. Okay. All right, we're getting off the Indians. We're going to spend a minute on hockey before we do our three cheers of the week and get out of here. Uh, But the hockey season's winding down. Hockey fans uh, and your Columbus Blue Jackets have found themselves in last freaking place in the, in the division. Uh, we went from Jean-Luc Grandpierre, amazing guest, fantastic stories, great guy coming onto this podcast and saying, Oh yeah, the blue Jackets should finish first or second in their division. We went from that and laughing at the Detroit Red Wings for how bad they've been all season. The Detroit Red Wings have been horrendous all season. And your Columbus Blue Jackets are now in last place behind the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, guys, this this season, is it's like Murphy's Law for the, for the Blue Jackets, right? Like, this was Murphy's Law. Anything that could go wrong went wrong for the Blue Jackets this season. Mm-hmm. Offensively, we knew coming into this year, they were not going to be the best offensive team in the NHL. We yeah. knew that they weren't going to be, they, they'd be lucky coming into this year to be a top half offensive team in the NHL. Yeah. We knew that, but we also anticipated every year under torts, they have been a top 10 defensive team in the NF, yeah. in the NHL. And mm-hmm. they've, they've had good goaltending yeah. this year. Awful defense. Yeah. Awful, awful yeah. goaltending. Awful. I know the defense has not helped the goaltending, but the goaltending has not been good. Yeah. Everything has been bad with the Blue Jackets. And here we are coming up towards the end of the season. And the Blue Jackets all of a sudden look like one of the worst teams in the NHL. Mm -hmm. What, What the hell happened? Oh, God. Uh, Well, I mean, there's a combination of, I think, uh, Torts is losing the locker room. Uh, I think um, it, 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 you know, you called it awful defense. I would call it inconsistent defense because at least at the beginning there, they would show signs. They would show flashes uh, in in a few games here and there where, uh, you know, they would, they would play the style of defense that a a Torts team plays. Uh, You know, the the goaltending, you know, Corpusalo, Corpusalo has been Corpusalo has been great, uh, but uh, at times, but the defense, but, but the moments. defense, but the defense has let him down. Uh, Corpusalo's had amazing moments. Yeah, and um, you know, Patrick, you know, you talked about not being a top ten offensive team. They're not going to be. They, you know, they weren't. And then you know, Patrick Line was supposed to change all of that. Uh, and when he came in, 
because he, you know, he was one, he's one of the best snipers in the game. He had a great start, but then he kind of faltered. He kind of fell off. He's, he's struggled to score as of late. He even changed sticks just to kind of switch the mojo around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he did, he, you know, and he scored a goal, but uh, the, the day he switched the game, but he did not, he hasn't scored lately. It's just, it's just all the wheels have all come off. Everything offensively. For, Listen, for, for the been, Blue Jackets on Twitter, Chad. We've been, we've been, I've been loving it. We've been having fun with Romeo's Pizza down in in Columbus. Mm-hmm. We've been having a great time with them. Like, what game is Cam Atkins and what what periods he going to score? Right. Never. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. listen, not no, I don't put that on Cam. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is enough evidence yeah. and I don't want to be, I don't want to be so crazy because I think Torts has proven himself to be a good coach in the NHL. I just think maybe there's a point where the time is come. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think there's enough evidence around the NHL. Look at the Florida Panthers yeah. of former Columbus blue jackets mm-hmm. who were not getting it off here in Columbus. Yeah who are just exploding in other systems because yeah. other systems are have, have have a better fit for them. Yeah. I think you're seeing that around the NHL. Um so I again I don't I don't put this on Cam per se, but like every every game we get tagged. What period is Cam going to score in? I think I've once yeah. we've seen a winner. Yeah. And and again, it's not on Cam. Like that 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 guy is so good of an offensive player mm-hmm. that I think the system right now, the system is broken. Like you, you talked about the goalies, Corpus Allo and Merzlikens, right? Corpus Allo has been a highlight reel. Yeah. That guy makes diving saves with shit that you don't even know he had. Like there's like a kendo stick and he just like makes a diving save and like out of nowhere. And yet he's still, there's six goals that go in and he may, gives up some, some rough goals. Merzlikens has been the same defensively. They're not helping him at all. And that's the craziest thing is this team is supposed to be a defensive juggernaut and they aren't. And then on the offensive end, there's just nothing there. It, it just has been an incredibly disappointing. It's season. almost like yeah. their yeah. pitching is I, I, not performing well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To tie it back to the Indians. It's like the strength of the team is not is not performing like the strength of the team. Uh, well, uh, here's the thing. I give the goalies the benefit of the doubt because what it, what this reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of Ryan Miller's last couple of years in Buffalo. For the longest time, Ryan Miller was a stalwart in net for the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, he... And, and he had good defense in front of him for a, a lot of those years. But those last three, four years uh, in, in Buffalo, he just, he, I mean, he had all, he had, he had slices of Swiss cheese in front of him. Everything got, every, everything got through. <laughs> and, you know, it, 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 you, you can also liken it to, you can also liken it to a, a, a football team to where, you know, what you can only keep a good defense on the field for so long before they're going to give up points. Well, when it comes to, well, well, when it comes to goalies, you can only pepper them with so many shots before they're going to let a few in. 
And that's exactly yeah. what happens to Corpus Allo yeah. and Merzlikens here, uh, you know, because of that porous defense. So I kind of, yes, I do agree that, you know, it, it, it hasn't been great. The goaltending hasn't been great. But I, 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 I kind of liken it. I, I, I blame that more on the defense because they are good goaltenders, but you can't, you, you, you can't get peppered with 35, 40 shots a game and 45 shots a game, you know, especially against the better teams and not expect four five, six goals to go in and not play good defense. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy. But before we get off the Blue Jackets, I want to kind of listen. The Blue Jackets season is over. They are in last place. There is no playoff aspiration. But, but I do want to talk to you, Chad and Joey, a little bit about the offseason uh-huh. because uh, this is something we've talked about. As shitty as this season has been, mm-hmm. as hard as it is, to watch yeah. a guy like Nick Felino suit up for another team. Yeah. That sucks. That is yeah. a shitty thing to watch. He hasn't suited up just yet. Well, but it, it will be a shitty thing to watch <laughs> when he does. Yeah. As much as I'll be rooting for him, as much as I'll be rooting for him, it's not fun to watch. Yeah. I, I do think this, to not be doom and gloomy, I think the Blue Jackets have a, a very unique opportunity to turn this shit around in one offseason and go. Oh, yeah. I don't know huh? that that involves John Tortorella. Yeah. And it may not. However, what I do know is they have three first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Because of how good Yarmo was at the trade deadline, how good he was. We talked about it with R.A., Rear Admiral from Spittin' Chicklets last week. He was so good getting rid of players. He got rid of a couple players that were on their last year of their contract for first-round picks. Yeah. Like uh-huh. what? Yeah. That is unheard of. Uh-huh. He was in first round picks. What I cannot imagine is that Yarmo and this staff is going into this offseason ready to take three first round picks. I don't think that's going to happen. No. And so, Chad, here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. What kind of player do you think we could be looking at? Because I do think they're going to turn those first round picks into a trade. Yeah. What kind of what kind of player do you think the Blue Jackets could be looking at as far as bringing here to Columbus to suit up for the Blue Jackets instead of three first round picks? Well, because I think that's probably what you're going to see. Well, uh, you know, first and foremost, if I'm Yarmo, my priority in the offseason is a center. They don't have they 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 don't do they do not have a guy that can get into that circle and win faceoffs oh. consistently. Please mm-hmm. say the name that I want you to say. Boone Jenner is is their best centerman right now who's out for the season yeah. with like a 52%, 52%, uh, something like that, a face-off win rate, which is okay, okay. but it's not great. Okay. <clears throat> you know, and just taking a look at some of the centermen around uh, the NHL, I mean, and they need a top flight one. God, I... Say it. Say it. I mean, like if, if I'm looking at guys who I think might be attainable, uh, you know, Jack Eichel might yes. be Jack Eichel might be a guy that they can yes. bring in. The, they're saying the Sabres are willing to trade him. Yeah, and I mean, and that and that and you know they have here's the draft. two first round picks. Yeah, they have the draft capital, and it also might cost you a prospect or two. Okay, uh, to to send them to him. But I mean, if you're looking down the line. You know, you're looking at maybe a Ryan O'Reilly from St. Louis. You're looking at an Evgeny Kuznetsov from from Washington, uh, oh. Sean, Sean Couturier from Philly, uh, Anze Kopitar from LA. You know, and, and granted, I have no idea whether these guys would even be attainable, or we'd, it would, you know, or if LA or 
Philly would be willing to part with them. But those are the type of guys that you're looking at, those top flight centers that they need to get in and win faceoffs every time. So, I mean, it, 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 those would be the kind of guys that I would be looking at if I were Yarmo, just a playmaking center. And uh, those, those are some well, names that I would be looking at in the trade. Well, I was, I was hoping you were going to bring up Jack Eichel because obviously the Sabres will go into sell mode. Yeah. And, and now the rumors have come out since the trade deadline that, you know, they, they're willing to listen to yeah. offers for Jack Eichel. But Jack Eichel, dude, is a, never, a guy that has not come anywhere close to his potential no. uh, playing for Buffalo. Yeah. And like a change of scenery like that could be great for that guy. And, and, yeah. and immediately – immediately becomes the face of the blue jackets franchise. Mm -hmm. That would be incredible. And, and that's what gets me like, you know, we've got this off season ahead of us of this year was extremely disappointing. Yeah. They didn't play anywhere near what they thought they were going to play. There is, there could be turnover happening. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, like, there's a really good chance this could be one of the most fun off seasons yeah. in Blue Jackets history mm-hmm. because of what Yarmo did at the trade deadline. Yeah. And also some of your favorite players may not be away for so long. Yeah. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, uh, that I think this could be a really fun off season. So, so anyways. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and then one more thing is, is, yeah, I mean, you sign a guy like Jack Eichel, um, not sign you trade for a guy like Jack Eichel. I think that increases your chances of, of re-signing Patrick, a guy like Patrick Line. you know, and, you know, coming back and playing with a top flight centerman like him who can make plays for Patrick Line. Patrick Line, again, one of the best snipers in the league. He needs a guy that's able to make plays for him. That's able to yes. swing the momentum and, and find him in open shooting lanes. And Jack Eichel is exactly a guy that can do just that. So yeah. I mean, if you trade for a guy like that or a Kopitar, I, I think you're in business. Yeah. Well, listen, it should be a fun, uh, a fun off season in the NHL. It should be a fun. It should be a fun. Oh, what are you doing, Joe? You're making hand signals. You're Am hand I? signaling. Oh, what are you what are doing? Those gang signs. Yeah, Cut what's it out. Uncle Joey, come on. All right. Uh, it should be a fun off season in the NHL, but it should be a fun playoffs too. I mean, you've got, You've got to, oh, as I just burp into my microphone. By the way, this uh, this porter was delicious. Uh, uh, a fun off season coming up, of, uh, and something to be excited. I think about uh, for the Blue Jackets, and you've got some good players that are playing in your in your minor league system uh, here in Cleveland that I think could come up and help as well. But we'll see. I think you've got some uh, some turnover coming as well, and that that could be crazy, uh, and, and it can be a crazy thing as a fan. But I I think there's some. Fun turnaround coming. Same concept here, and we're not going to go into the depth here or really any depth at all, but same thing coming with the Cavaliers uh, who, uh, as we sat here and talked tonight, beat the Bulls by about 100 until the very end of that game where the Bulls came back a little bit. But, hey, listen, Cavs are still in the playoff hunt, so I'm not. I'm going to keep that going. The Cavs are only four games out of a playoff spot right now, so you never know uh, as that goes, but the Cavs throttled the Bulls tonight. They played really well, so... We'll see what happens, but I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, we're going to get into our three cheers of the week. So hopefully you guys have a cheer uh, ready to go this week. You both looked off into the distance like you're not sure. So you know what? Oh, Joe's nodding. I'm All sure. right, Joe, why I'm don't sure. you give us a cheer of the week? I got, I got, as in tradition, I got two. Uh, one that's not serious. It's just more of like a shout out. 
we're staying at a, a great hotel during our time away from home. Um, I would like to cheers uh, the poop shoot. The poo shoot. What? Yeah. Uh, anytime Your butt? people above us like you flush their to- toilet, you hear rushing <laughs> water through our walls. And oh, okay. so we call it the, the poo shoot. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, and it just went off and it reminded me of it. That wasn't my cheer going into it, but I thought it was worth noting. <laughs> All right. Uh, can you tell the fireball shoot. shot at an empty stomach is here? It is. Uh, no, you I wanna, made it. I want to cheers. Um, I guess this isn't going to sound much better off the bat, but I want to cheer gas stations. Um, but, but. This that one snack that you get from a gas station that's at every gas station, you're like, oh my god, like either road trips or in my case, my toilets don't work. So I go to the gas station to go to the bathroom and I grab my snack. What's that one snack from the gas station that's just like your bomb snack? Mine is these Fritos flavored honey barbecue twists. Like you never okay. go to the grocery store right. and buy that, right? You never go to the okay. grocery store and buy that. But like when you're at a gas station, you're so right. You know you're what I'm so right? right. Exactly. Like you're, you're so at a right. gas station, you're like, mm, man, I just like need that good snack, and that's it. That's it for me. Cheers to gas station snacks. Okay, Chad, what's your what's your gas station snack? Oh man, gosh. Uh, wow, uh, smart food, white cheddar pop popcorn. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. yeah. Oh. <laughs> That is my jam. Oh, that's that a is my jam. Yeah. Mine is, uh, I spend a shit ton of time in my car in my gas station snack without a doubt are sunflower seeds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, All right. The only place I have ever bought sunflower seeds, I think, in my life are at gas stations, but I buy them almost every time I go to get gas. Nice. Sunflower seeds, for sure. Nice. All right, Chad, what's your uh, what's your cheer of the week? Go Rite Aid. No, uh... <laughs> oh god what is what is what is what is my cheer for the week uh well you know i'd like to cheers mother nature for uh taking my huge tree branch down but avoiding my house so maybe cheers to the tree i don't i don't fucking That's know fair. i'm never pre- i'm never prepared for this uh <laughs> we do it every week so fuck why would you be prepared <laughs> pancake breakfast Pancake breakfast. We do it every month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's right. branch. Here's to you, branch tree branch. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my cheers to the Cleveland Indians broadcast team. Manning, Underwood, Andre, Tom Hamilton, of course, our buddy at Indians Radio, Jim Rosenhaus, the whole broadcast team. What the Indians broadcast team has seen over the last couple of weeks is just absurd. They've seen a triple play because mm-hmm. apparently Eddie Rosario thought you could just go when a guy catches the line drive. Typically. Uh, uh, they've seen a no hitter that should have been a perfect game, but uh, Roberto Perez's big toe got in the way. Thankfully. Beautiful toe. Uh it, they've just seen a lot of shit happen over the last couple of weeks. And, and so my cheers go what, in one week in a seven day period, they saw a triple play and a no hitter. That is an incredible, like we, we talked and we're going to release it again. When the time is right. Uh, we talked to Joe Tate uh, just a matter of weeks before his passing. And he told us the story of how he saw four, either no hitters or perfect games in his tenure as a Cleveland Indians broadcaster. 
he was the last one to see an Indians player throw a perfect game or no hitter. And in the course of a week, our Indians broadcaster saw a guy throw a no hitter against us and a team turn a triple play against us. An incredible, an incredible feat. Actually, it, it was kind of cool listening to them talk about how cool it was to see a couple very rare things in baseball happen all in one week. So shout out to the Indians broadcast team, keeping it light, having a good time. I do love Andre, not our buddy, Andre, not when he came onto the show, he talked about how they were going to have him more involved, especially during these COVID broadcasts. I love that. It's very fun to watch with him more involved. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, just shout out to the broadcast team for, uh, for a fun week. You boys got anything else before we get out of here? Nope. All right, boys. Nope. We're going to get out. Special thanks at Albright NFL on Twitter, A-L-L-B-R-I-G-H-T NFL on Twitter. Benjamin Albright covering the Broncos out there at Denver, but uh, really just an NFL insider. All around good dude. Thank you to him for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, again, goes out to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, where you can find us at Belly Up Sports on Twitter, Instagram, all that. Uh, go check out some of the other shows that are doing great things on Belly Up Sports. We love being on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, and it's only grown and grown and grown and grown. So go check them out. And of course, our last thank you goes out to you, the listeners. We uh, we love that uh, you join us every week. We love that you enjoy what we got going on. And uh, uh, you know, keep checking us out as we get through the draft and all that coming up. So, uh, for Joey down there in Nashville, Tennessee at garage beers, Joe for Chad Meyer over there on the East side of Cleveland at garage beers, Chad. I am Michael Keefe at garage beers. Mike, go follow the show at the garage beers, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, freaking everywhere. Go check out our YouTube. It's the bomb. Uh, go check us out everywhere. Uh, but again, for the guys, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening until next week. Cheers, everybody. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase, plus get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com